Hear the word of God from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speak in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Again, it is, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but yesterday morning, I woke up and realized that the royal wedding was taking place. Did anybody else realize that and maybe turn on the television? And I have to admit, I didn't watch it long, but I was amazed by all the commentary about this, the whole day. It, it focused on love and inclusion and happiness. And that sermon, whew, if you missed the sermon, you should just Google the sermon. Bishop uh, Curry is an Episcopal priest from North Carolina, and he pre proclaimed an awesome wedding homily, but it was not just for weddings, it was for all of us, for all time. At one point, he quoted Dr. Martin Luther King when he said, we must discover that the power, we must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do, then we will make of this old world a new one. As I looked at who was there and I thought about who was listening in, I thought the folks who were in that gathered cathedral are people who lead such powerful lives. They are Hollywood movie stars, they are British royalty, and they are leaders in so many places in the world. And I thought, just what if? What if that they took that message of love and inclusion and happiness into their own homes and families, into their neighborhoods and communities, into their governments and nations, even to the ends of the earth? My prayer is for all of us who heard it and everyone who was there yesterday could be touched by the power of that love. Well, today... We're going to be talking about the power of love as we are in the second in a sermon series called Big Moments, Big Moments in the Life of the Church. And today we're looking at the big moment of Pentecost. 
the, the day that the powerful gift of the Holy Spirit arrived on God's people. And Pentecost came with fire and wind. And people heard things they had never heard before. And they understood in ways they had never known before. So I hope that you experience some of this power today as we listen and hear and move and celebrate the acting of the spirit that is still alive in this world. Will you pray with me? Oh, spirit, sacred spirit, move upon all of us in this room today. Unlock a song, a lightness, a power within your people. Breathe into us your hopes and dreams for a world that is filled with justice and love, inclusion, and peace. Amen. Well, I don't know. It's been a big week in the life of... uh, I'm just going to move that so I can see you better. Uh, It's been a big week in the life of our nation and this world. And one thing that was really big was on Wednesday afternoon, my colleague out in the hall, Stephanie Nichols, said to me, Sally, what do you hear as she played... Did it go? Oh. Oh. <laughs> As she said, what do you hear? Thank you. Okay, you can stop now. Okay. <laughs> you get it? What do you hear? Some folks hear yammy. Other folks hear laurel. Yammy. Laurel. Well, I was clearly... There's no doubt in my mind, it, it says yammy. How many of you heard that this week? I can see, okay. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, it's quite all right, but it has been a, a frenzy on the internet this week. In fact, it's driving the internet community crazy, folks disagreeing over yanny or laurel. Well, after, I, I couldn't believe that Stephanie heard Laurel and I heard Yammy. In fact, I thought she was pulling my leg. I thought she was not telling me the truth because how could she hear anything other than Yammy? And I was incredulous that she heard what she heard and she was incredulous that I heard what I heard. Well, before long, we had nine of us in the hallway, other staff members and a few uh, church members who happened to be in the building, and we were all disagreeing over, it was a split about 50-50 over Yammy. Or Laurel. There are many reasons for this, and audiologists are on the brain, on the tech waves, on the internet explaining why this is true, but it has to do with the high and low frequency of the sound. The point, though, is that we were not hearing the same thing. It was disorienting, and it made us call into question what we were hearing and what we knew to be true. Friends, today is Pentecost, and it is a day that is disorienting and can shake our very beliefs of those, just like it shook the beliefs of those faithful and devout Jews long ago. And the Spirit, when it arrived that day, well, it's still shaking things up for the followers of Christ. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. At Pentecost, we celebrate often by wearing red, decorating with banners sometimes we've put red balloons on the on the chairs and let them loose at the end of the service sometimes on pentecost we really go wild Mm. 
You may remember that last week we talked about Ascension Sunday, and we said that Jesus had to go away so that the gift of the Spirit could come. And Justin talked about it in terms of the training wheels coming off and the people of faith learning to stand on their own and be a witness. And I talked about it in terms of the mantle being passed from Jesus to God's people and the gift, the promised gift of the Holy Spirit arriving. When we have the Spirit, the followers will then become witnesses of the good news of Christ's redemptive and saving love. And the Spirit, it calls us, it confronts us, it challenges us, and it guides us, all of God's people. And on that first day, it made quite an entrance. But the disciples, they didn't know exactly when the Spirit was going to arrive. You know, it's kind of like a baby. We think we know it's going to be coming around this time, but this baby's going to come when the baby's going to come. Well, the Spirit arrived on a day that the disciples did not know when. Jesus didn't tell them when. He just said to be ready. He said to get all together and to wait for power from on high to come wait for the gift of the Spirit. Now, interestingly, the day that the Spirit did arrive was the day of Pentecost. In Greek, that means 50 days. It's 50 days past Easter. 50 days. In the Bible, Pentecost was already a holiday before that Spirit arrives. It was called the Festival of Weeks, a Jewish celebration honoring the first fruits of the season, the summer fruits, and the giving of the law of Moses at Mount Sinai. This means that the birth of the church, the birthday of the church, it shares the date with another major Jewish celebration, kind of like a baby being born on the 4th of July or on New Year's Day. But it also means that the Spirit's arrival interrupts a party that is already taking place, already going on. And finally, for me, it just made so much sense. Why in the world were there all these devout Jews from every nation under heaven? Why were they already there in Jerusalem? They were there for the festival of weeks. They were there to thank God and to uh, remember the gifts of God. Well, they're already gathered there, and as you can imagine, they were bewildered, perplexed, confused, and mystified because each one of them felt the rush of the mighty wind, and each one of them heard yammy, laurel. No, each one heard the good news of God's love, the deeds of Jesus Christ being proclaimed to them in a way that they could hear. They were amazed and astonished. And then, and then, they began to ask, are not all these people speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear in our own native language? Devout Jews from every nation under heaven, as Jenny read from us, and Cretans and Eliamites and from all over Libya, folks have gathered from around the world. They are there for the celebration. They are sincere, dedicated believers. They had a relationship with God. No doubt they were offering the appropriate prayers to God. 
They've gathered from every nation and in one place to celebrate what they know and believe to be true, that everything they grow and all that they have is from God's hand, and that the greatest gift of all is the gift of Holy Scriptures, the Torah. So this is not a holiday that needs a correction, but it is a holiday that receives a huge interruption. Isn't that how the Spirit often works? It is interrupted by fire and wind. The Spirit arrives and it startles us. It changes us. It challenges us. And it often happens when we least expect it. So how did the Spirit interrupt the Jews' celebration that day? How did it startle them and catch them off guard? Well, first, they experienced the sound from heaven like the howling of a mighty wind. Now, friends, we live in Florida, and we are used to heavy thunderstorms and wind and rain. We're occasionally used to hurricanes, categories three or four, sometimes five. So we know a bit about howling wind, fierce wind. It's easy for us to imagine the spirit coming like that. And fire, well, we read the paper and we listen to the news and we know there are wildfires happening out west, even today on the corner, on the border of Mexico and New Mexico. And we saw the effects of the volcanoes, eruptions last week in Hawaii. And we saw the lava coming down onto neighborhoods, destroying homes. So setting the miracle aside for just a moment, we can easily imagine the Holy Spirit taking the form of wind and flames of fire. And we know that can seriously interrupt a party. What we might not have imagined is that we would be interrupted by those Galileans. Are those not Galileans who are speaking? Hmm. Now, this is much harder for us to take in because, well, it makes me question everything I believe and how I organize my world and my place in it. It makes me stop and consider that just maybe God is larger than I gave God credit for. It makes me imagine that God's powerful love can break through all kinds of boundaries and barriers, even within my very self. And it makes me realize that God can use everyone to share this good news, everyone, even those Galileans. Are these not Galileans who are speaking? You see, Galileans is like, well, to, to refer to someone as a Galilean, it's like they are a backward or they're an uneducated person. They're folks not like us. Some say in the New Testament, Galilean is shorthand for hick. So when you read scripture and you hear the word, he's from Galilee or he's a Galilean, you think, hick, okay? And one of the reasons that Jesus wasn't taking seriously at first is because he was from Galilee. And he grew up in the center of Galilee in a town called Nazareth. And you might remember in the Gospel of John, Nathaniel asked Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come from that place? This is difficult because it is easy for us to make assumptions about people who are not like us. It's easy for us to put them in a box and imagine how they will 
or will not respond to something. I hate to admit it, but I do this more often than I care to admit. Yes, these hicks from Galilee, they are the ones who are speaking so clearly about Jesus and helping me see him in a way that I never knew before. They are so clearly speaking my language about God's deeds and powers. And in my understanding, I am changed. What does this mean? How is it that they are speaking in my native language? That's the miracle of Pentecost. It was something totally unexpected. It is the Spirit startling us, catching us off guard, and changing things up. This is Pentecost. And when we recognize that they, those people, have been touched by the power of the Spirit, well, it makes us rethink how we compartmentalize our world and our faith. So what are we supposed to do now? Well, I think we have to do more than sending our thoughts and prayers. I think that we can't stay the same any longer. Something has to change. And it's more than choosing different leaders or trying to preserve what we have, or it's more than remaining isolated. Being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit literally brings us to our knees. And maybe, just maybe there on our knees, we should start with asking forgiveness for our assumptions and our arrogance. And then we have to listen up. We have to clearly hear again the words of Jesus, listen to the stories of Jesus, and recognize how he broke through human history and modeled for all of us how we are to live together in community with one another. So after asking for forgiveness, then I say, go with the wind. Go with the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to touch your life in a real and significant way. And then bear witness. Bear witness to the power of the Spirit working among us. Bear witness to the redemptive power of God's love. For whenever we see signs of the coming age, signs of God's reign on earth in the works of love and peace and justice, then we know that the Spirit is at work in that place. Yes, be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, I want to share a story with you about a a community that is bearing witness by their actions and their words week in and week out. About three weeks ago, uh, the program staff of the church went to the LCI, the Large Church Initiative. If you've been around Hyde Park a while, you know we hosted it here some five years ago. It's a three-day leadership conference, and this year it was in San Diego, California. It was a terrific event, and I'm so grateful we got to go. There was wonderful worship, powerful presentations, and significant side trips. A highlight for me was joining several other members of the staff and going to the border between San Diego, California, and Tijuana, Mexico, and celebrating together Holy Communion across the border wall. As you can imagine, the border is well patrolled and guarded, and we had permission to be there, just to let you know. And the massive wall extends way into the ocean. 
that separates Mexico and California. It separates families and loved ones who have been apart for years. But right there on the ocean's edge, there's a small section called Friendship Park. It's not a beautiful park, but it is a place of significant healing and hope. And for a few hours every weekend, there are two walls, but for a few hours every weekend, this wall is opened up so that you can go and stand close to this wall and be near those whom you love on the other side. Reverend John Fenstill, who serves a border church there in San Diego, led us in this experience. And he and his group of church members do this week in and week out with his Mexican priest counterpart on the other side. And they sing and they pray and they share in Holy Communion as a sign of Pentecost, as a sign of love and inclusion and hope a sign of solidarity with these families who have various immigration status. So peering through that metal wall, we were only able to touch fingertips as we shared communion. This is my body. This is my blood. It is broken and shed for you. It was shared in English and in Spanish, and we all partook at the same time. On this side, we were church workers who were praying for a better relationship between countries and better ways for us to deal with our border issues. And on the other side, there were Mexican Christians looking at us and celebrating this gift of nourishment, the sacrament of Holy Communion. I met a man named Roberto as I touched his fingertips, and his wife Lucy was standing beside him. And they shared with us how of the good news of the community garden that they helped tend together. For me, the whole experience was a vision of the reign of God. It was a sign of God's Pentecost spirit that is active in the world. And I was clearly hearing words of hope, maybe not from a Galilean, but from a Mexican priest who was inches away from me and yet worlds apart. I heard words of power and love more clearly spoken than I've heard in a long time, and it made me want to bear witness to the truth and beauty of the gospel that transcends everything, every political regime and structure, every dividing wall that we put up. The truth and beauty of the gospel transcends it all. Yes, it reminded me of that quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. We must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do, when we do, we will make of this old world a new one. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill our lives with your loving presence so that more and more every day, all that we say and do, all that we hope for, will be an act of worship to you, an expression of love to others. To the glory of your name, we pray. Amen.